All right, grab your Bibles, hold them up. This is my Bible. God's Holy Word. I can be who He wants me to be. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not leave the same. All right, Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew chapter number 22. I don't know if I say this a lot because I can't remember the last time I said it, but this is going to be an interesting message. If you looked on uh, the website, you saw that today we're going to talk about church and state, obviously, separation. I know that some of you take notes and, and that's fine, but I, want, I don't want your note taking to take away from your ability to listen, hear, comprehend, understand. Because there, are, there are, are things that we're going to have to understand about politics culturally when this was written so we can apply it, so we can have a proper understanding of what is being said. I know we just had our election and everything that had to do with that. And again, I'm amazed that as I prepared the sermon back when we voted about that time. So I knew an election was going to happen. I didn't know the results of what the election was going to be up until a few days ago. I don't think anybody knew what the results were going to be. But anyway, so I don't want you to think that I, I am preaching this because of what happened. I want you to know this was already prepared. Lord knew what was going to happen and, and all of that. But as it, we're just some 50 miles from D.C. I think culturally we are more invested in politics because of our geographic location. So I want you to pay attention. I want you to... Uh, I don't want to be misunderstood because I'm fairly certain that I'm going to say some things that will go against our previous understanding of what someone tried to tell us. Because I know it goes against what I, when, when I was growing up, obviously grew up in a very political family. Uh, um, just ask Kendra, there's always a fight that goes on in the family when it has to do with politics. And so... But well, the truth of the matter is this, is that there's a separation of church and state. Separation of church and state. What did Jesus mean, I will build my church? We talked about it in Sunday School briefly. We looked at Leviticus this morning, and Brother Motter brought up a good question, and I rambled on for about five minutes, and I probably could have answered it in two seconds. But again, there are things that we need to understand in order to answer the question. What did he mean? I will build my church. Our question is this, and in today's environment, today's societies, today's culture, we talked about it last week. Are we going to do more or are we going to do less? If you will, this is a, uh, last week we looked at four things 
of a healthy church. This is the fifth thing of a healthy church. This is probably the most important aspect of a healthy church. And so that's why we're dedicating an entire message to it. We are living, whether you realize it or not. And we have been long before this pandemic, epidemic, virus, whatever, came into our lives almost a year ago. We are living in very tenuous times. Listen, uh, when, when hardships come, they don't bring strife, they show strife. Listen, the, the events of this past year with all the, the rioting and looting and killing and, and corruption, listen, it's been going on for years. Make no bones about it. But people were at a breaking point, and we still are. I don't think it's completely broken yet. Honest to goodness, you can ask Kendra Wednesday when they were having the uh, riots down in D.C. I was nervous. I'll just be honest with you. I seriously contemplated bringing my gun to church. I promise you. You can ask her. Because it's... I, I thought that was it. We all know, we've all heard, we've all listened to the news. Civil, another civil war is on the horizon. All it takes is for the wrong person to do the wrong thing to another wrong person, and it's on. And I honestly thought that was it. Aren't you glad I'm not a prophet? Because then I'd have to, I'm glad I'm not a prophet, because my prophecy would have been false and I would have had to have been killed. So I'm glad I'm not a prophet. We're living in tenuous times. Separation of church and state. Can I tell you, we didn't get that from the Constitution. Our, the separation of church and state has nothing to do with the Constitution of the United States. It's found in here. It's found in the Bible. That's why our founding fathers put it in the Constitution. Because it was in the Bible. I know we don't have time to go through and look at it, but a lot of the things, that, the guidelines and principles of our country are from the Bible. vast majority of them. But here in Matthew chapter number 22, starting in verse number 15, Then went the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and that thou teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for there regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt me, ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny, and he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. Then he saith unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you.
this morning, Lord, and we are, again, thankful that you allowed us to come and gather worship. We pray, Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture, Lord, Lord, I personally pray that it would be understood in the way that you revealed it to me. Lord, so give me the words to speak and the ability to do that, Lord. We're looking at the culturally the foundation of your church. So I just pray that you'd be honored and glorified. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. We're all familiar with the Pharisees. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Herodians or not. Herodians were politicians. That's what they were. They were political figures. Uh, Pharisees were more of the religious figures. But it says that they brought what the Pharisees took one of their own. So it was a Pharisee who was also a Herodian. So he was a religious political figure. Sent him to ask a question of Jesus. But we need to, like I said, we need to set aside our pre-existing ideas and understandings of things. And we need to, what does God say about this? Politics should never be in a worship service. Politics should never be in a worship service. I don't know about you, but we and, and I've said it, and I agree with it, but I don't know that it, it's the full story. I think there's a flip side to this coin that we're going to look at this morning. But the separation of church and state was, was to keep the state out of the church, not to keep the church out of the state. And like I said, we're some 50 miles from our, our nation's capital. I, I realize things. Listen, I am an American. I've been an American for 41 and a half years approximately. You won't find anybody more American than me. There might be people that are equal. But you won't, I promise you won't find anybody more. Because if you introduce someone to me and I think that they're more American than I am, I'm going to up my Americanism. So it just won't happen. I promise you. Might be equal, right? Okay. But it wasn't just made to keep the church, or the state out of the church. The truth of the matter is this. Individually, we are Americans. I realize we're saved. Collectively, we come here and, and we're, we're known as the church and we gather, we assemble, we ecclesia together. But as a group, we have no business in political things. Individually, yes. I'm all for I'm, you, you. You better vote. But collectively, as his church, why? Because our mission is not to make sure that everybody votes the way that we think that they should vote on social issues. That's not the mission of the church. Individually, that's fine. But that's not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to what? To seek and to save that which was lost. 
Politics should not be in the church's worship service. This conversation, this very conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees and this Herodian that the disciples witnessed, this conversation happened on Tuesday. You say, well, how many of you, I was an old commercial several years ago, and it went through like, you know, this happened on a Monday, and this happened on a Wednesday, and this happened on, and it went, went all the way through the days of the week, and nothing happened on a Tuesday that was really big. And that was before 9-11, and obviously 9-11 happened on Tuesday. So, in the back of my mind, I know I'm a conspiracy theorist, okay? But I'm wondering, did they do it on a Tuesday because of that commercial? Probably not, but like I said, I'm a... But this happened on a Tuesday. So even before 9-11, something very eventful happened on a Tuesday. But it just wasn't any Tuesday. It was the Tuesday before the Thursday. That he was crucified. Less than 48 hours. Think about that. Just for a second. This conversation that Jesus had with the Pharisees and the Herodians was less than 48 hours from his, what they thought was his demise. They had already had everything planned up in the works. And so when they were trying to entrap Jesus, as it says at the beginning of the passage, they very well knew, okay, if we formulate this question, we're, he's either going to get his followers mad at him and we won't have to worry about him anymore, or he's going to get the Roman government mad at him and they'll kill him, kill him for us. They knew what they were doing. If he says, are we supposed to give to Caesar? If he answers no, guess what? He gets arrested. He's not submitting to Caesar's authority. He's in, what, what, what are they charging Trump with? I forget. But that's what he could have been charged with, inciting a crowd for violence. Could have been arrested. If he says yes, well, than all of his followers. Why? Because these, the Jews think that he's going to set up his kingdom. The vast majority, even his disciples didn't fully understand. They thought he had come to free them from the Romans, not to free them from sin. And they've looked and said, aha, we've got Jesus trapped. No, no matter what he says, he's going to get himself in trouble. Roman Caesars were worshipped as gods. Again, I told you that we, we need to understand the, the political culture. Roman Caesars were gods. They were worshipped as gods. On the front of the coin where it has Caesar's image... It, obviously, this is in Greek, and I don't spell, don't speak Greek, can't read Greek. But when we translate it to English, it, there's a picture of Caesar. And it says, I am the Son of God. 
on that on the coin that they brought to Jesus when he asked them whose image is on it. That superscription would say, I am the Son of God. On the front, on the back, it would say that he was a priest. He was a Roman priest. Good. Just take a minute, let that sink in. They ask him this question. Is it lawful to pay tribute unto Caesar? Obviously, Jesus knows everything. But Jesus' reply was this. You're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. The other, uh, I think it was two Wednesday nights ago, we dove into that very briefly, are we asking the right question? If we've been around people any length of time, uh, I mean, Mr. Carrigo helps people. I'm sure that the, the, the uh, detox treatment center, I'm sure they'll, they'll ask him a question and, and he's smart enough to realize that the question that they're asking him isn't the question that they need answered. You're not asking the right question and we as Christians, have to realize what's the right question? What's the question that's really being asked? See, they're asking him this question. He's asking him questions about civil authority, about the human state, and about the government. And we're going to talk about this more next week we're building on some things but who gave the state the civil government their authority that's where they get their authority from is from god they have the ability to operate because god allows them the ability to operate. So you're asking the wrong question. You're asking me a spiritual question. And you're using an earthly example, an earthly analogy. And the two, the two realms are completely different. Look carefully at verse number 17. Is it lawful to give tribute? Look at verse number 21. Then he saith unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and God, the things that are God's. 
We know that there's no mistake in Scripture. But can I tell you, it's very important. They ask this question. Jesus, are we supposed to give to Caesar? And Jesus asked them, answers them this. You are to pay to Caesar the things that you are supposed to pay to Caesar. And you are to pay to God the things that are God. You don't give to Caesar. You pay to Caesar. Listen. <laughs> you want to drive on a nice road? Then guess what? You got to pay for it. You want to live in some semblance of safety? Then you've got to pay for police, fire, military. You have to pay for that. You ain't giving for it. You're paying it. And so Jesus makes this statement. The things that are Caesar's, the things that you enjoy from Caesar, the things that you enjoy from the government, you pay for those. You're not giving to it. You're paying for it. See, we all owe a debt in this civil realm of society. Police, fire, roads again, etc. If you use this service, you're going to have to pay for it. Listen, we all think that, you know, well, the government uses the money for abortion and other things that we biblically disagree with. I understand that. We're not going to get into that today. But don't you find it interesting? Again, there's, there's no mistakes. That we find this story in the book of Matthew. You do remember what Matthew did for a living before Jesus called him to be one of his disciples, right? He was a tax collector. Again, I just find that ironic. Maybe it's because of Matthew's background that Jesus used him. Because listen, there's a difference between giving and paying. I know kids would love it if parents had to pay them at Christmas time. Or maybe you wouldn't. Do you think you'd end up with as many or as much nice things if it was your parents' job to pay you? your gifts on your birthday or Christmas. But there's a vast difference between giving and paying. Render unto Caesar's. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar and render unto God the things that are God. We owe a debt to God. I think we're all Realize that and familiar with that. We owe a debt to God. There's three institutions, as we call them, that God created. When he created Adam and Eve and let them have children, God created a family. 
Upon this rock I will build my church. God created the institution of the church. And civil authority or government would be the third. When authority overlaps in those three separate realms, it can get very tricky very fast. Most of the time, when someone gets mad at another person, it's because someone did or they thought that they overstepped their authority into a different realm. Obviously, I'm a pastor. I have authority. God allowed me authority over this local assembly. I'm a father. God again gave me the authority in my family. But I'm not supposed to be a politician. I, I have my opinions as an American. Just like you, as an American, have your opinions and your rights and the ability to exercise those opinions. But outside of that, I have no authority in the political government realm. None whatsoever. And when you try and take something that wasn't given to you. If I go out and take a candy bar that I didn't pay for, that someone didn't give it to me, I go out there and take it. What is That's a crime. I mean, I realize I probably won't go to jail or get killed for a candy bar, but I probably get a ticket fine. I have to pay some type of restitution that's way more than the cost of the candy bar. Well, I did something that I was not supposed to do. I did not have the right to do. Listen, I don't have a right to tell you to do anything in your own personal life. I do. Now, I, I have the right to tell them what to do in their own personal life. But the rest of you have. As a pastor, I have the right to tell you what God tells you you're supposed to do. But I don't have a right to tell you what you're supposed to do. And we see this all throughout history. When, when different realms of authority, they get blended. Bad things happen. Read history. I mean, Hitler thought he was a god. Bad things happen. Caesars were... Worshipped as gods. Look at that. I mean, just the things that happened not just, you know, several four or five hundred years ago in England. And England was, you know, politics and religion, if you will. Bad things happen. I told you, obviously, I'm a pastor, I'm a father. Listen, you I don't I don't think anybody in here is a political person, but 
at some given point in time we might have someone visit or join that, you know, may or whatever. I don't know. Listen, he's, I'm saying he, he's a father, okay, I don't know. If he's a male, he's a father. He has authority over his family. Obviously, he's in government. He has authority in, in social government issues. But guess what? He's not going to have any special authority in church. Yeah, I mean, vote and all of that wonderful thing. Just like everyone else as a member of the church. Samuel, what was Samuel? In the Old Testament, Samuel was a what? He was a prophet and a priest. But what wasn't Samuel? He wasn't a king. David, what was David? David was a king and a prophet. But what wasn't David? David wasn't a priest. And it, it slips my mind, there was a gentleman who was a king and priest, but he wasn't a prophet. I forget which one of that it was. But listen, there's only one person in all of history that has the right and ability to be the utmost authority in all three realms. That's God. Jesus. What was Jesus? Well, Jesus is the what? He's the prophet, the priest, and the king. He's got them all covered. Why? Because he's God. And when authority figures step out of their God-given rights and responsibilities in the realm that God has given them, bad things happen. What happens is, listen, it's humanism. I'm just being honest with you. When someone tries to step in and say, listen, you know, I am the ultimate governing authority in all three realms, they're basically saying they're God. Because he's the only one that has the right to it. You're worshiping yourself as a God. Humanism. We don't like that, but that's what it is. See, there's supposed to be separation of church and state, but it's more to it than just keeping the government out of our business. Who's the king over every other king, queen, president, prime minister? Who's the head of the church? Who's the head of the family? Jesus says this, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Whether you like the person, whether you agree with the person, whether it's a good person. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But render unto God the things that are God's. 
Listen. <laughs> I was gonna make a statement, and this is this is true it, it, about politics. But the truth of the matter is, unfortunately, it can be said about lots of churches. It doesn't matter if the human leadership of that institution and realm is crooked as a dog's back leg. You render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And the things to God that are God. Because you're not doing it because it's Caesar. You're doing it because God has given Caesar that authority. When Paul was, and we're going to dive into this deeply next week, when Paul wrote basically the vast majority of how the church is to operate, who was Caesar at that time? Did you ever think about that? Spoiler alert, if you don't know, it was Nero. So, again, like I said, preview of next week, everything that we're going to look at next week. Paul was making those statements when Nero was the supreme earthly leader of the realm that Paul was in. If we were committed to helping people as his church, as Christians are committed to make sure that, you know, the Constitution is followed. This world would be a whole lot different place. By the way, when it, when it comes to his church, do you know the Constitution? of his church, as well as you know the Constitution of the United States? Do you follow it? I mean, we're in the midst of our series, Some Assembly Required. That's in the Constitution of his church. Some Assembly Required. Forsake not. We looked at what forsaking really means last week. Are you? Forsaking. And only you can answer that question. Are you following the constitution of his church? As badly as you want the politicians to follow the constitution of the United States, are you following the constitution of his church? If you're not, then that's what I suggest you to be quiet around me. Because you don't have a right to complain about somebody else not doing something that you're not doing. Jesus never misused his freedoms. What did Paul say? Paul said, don't use your freedom as what? An occasion of the flesh. Listen, God's, God has given us freedoms. They're laid out in scripture. 
they should be laid out. They're laid out in the Constitution. Now, whether or not the government chooses to obey them is a different story. But don't use your, don't use your freedoms. Don't abuse your freedoms as a way to do what you want to do. Jesus used his freedom to help people. That's what Paul says. Paul says, use your freedom to help people. Listen, our, our entire, entire last year basically was Galatians and Ephesians. Hopefully, we learned it. The world brings bondage. We've all heard the example, you know, sin is like, you know, grabbing a, a snake by the tail. You think you have it, and the next thing you know, it's wrapped all around you. Listen, the world, the world's system, the world's way of thinking brings bondage. God says, I'm going to give you freedom. But as I'm assuming most of us know, when it comes to freedom, you really don't have freedom if you don't have structure. It's not willy-nilly, I can do whatever I want. Not only is it their job to stay out of our business, but corporate. I'm speaking corporately. I'm not speaking individually. For those of you that are on Facebook, you can see a very vast difference between my page and the church page. Hopefully. I do that on purpose. Listen, I'm an American. I'm an individual. I'm a person. I see an injustice. I do my best to speak out against it. As an individual, as an American, I have that right. <clears throat> but they can't cross. Joseph Barnard, the American, has to be very careful that Joseph Barnard, the pastor, they can't cross. Let's pray, Lord, we come before you this morning and we are thankful that you allowed us to gather Lord not only are government supposed to stay out of our business but the truth of the matter is, is it's this is that we shouldn't even as a church corporately be worried about things I realize individuals you didn't you didn't come here to set governments right, straight, tell them to knock it off. You came here to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's the church's job. Go out there, proclaim the gospel, show your love, help people. They don't, we don't corporately have the authority. We have the authority that you gave us to be on your mission. Lord, help us to, all of us, myself included, to remember this. Again, I don't know how the Lord spoke to your heart, but the pianos begin to play.